Okay, here we are. Beatitudes week 14. Hardly believe we've been at it for 14 weeks. Maybe more than that, really, because sometimes we just didn't get round to doing it. Uh, so it's the king and his kingdom again. And if you want to head in for this one, it's retaliation. Um, so week 14, and we're still looking at the king and his kingdom, and probably will be till Jesus comes. But a statement I want to make before we start here is that the truth doesn't set you free until you experience it. And some of us are going through that right now, um, that you've learnt a lot, you've been in the training ground and now you're in the proving ground and they are two completely different things. So it's now that you need to pull up whatever it was you were taught um, about asking questions, finding a place of peace, worshipping, waiting. Um, that's why a head full of knowledge and a cabinet full of notes is actually useless. So God makes sure uh, in our experience that we put into practice the things we've learnt. Because otherwise we will be of all men most miserable. All we'll have is a head full of knowledge. And what we're really seeing is that faith and focus depend on our will and the spirit combining. So I keep push, push, push about making choices. We, our part in this whole thing is to choose. There is nothing else that we have to do other than that. And a flabby will isn't making choices. And a flabby will be, will be subject to the enemy. So he attacks our mind and our emotions in order to subvert our will in order to bring us to the place where we cannot make a godly choice. So our will is for the, the vehicle for the presence and the power of God and it's also the vehicle for faith. So the only place for our will is firmly in the hands of God. I said to you a long time ago I gave the Lord my will. That's the whole of my free will to do with my life as he chooses. I do not want to make the primary choices about where I live, who I live with, what I do because I'll make a mess of it. I've got to place that whole thing uh, firmly in his hands. We do after all say thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Mm -hmm. But it's like sometimes we're a bit like a parrot. We parrot it like children do and we don't actually realise what we're saying when we ask him to do that. So the only place for our will is firmly in the hands of God and victory comes from a submissive will from a will that is submitted to the greatness of God and the other problem is that you cannot manifest anything in the spirit if your will is working against you submission to God must come first because as human beings we will always magnify something what are you magnifying at the moment are you magnifying a problem uh, are you magnifying something that you're dreading up in the future somewhere or are you magnifying something that happened to you in the past question I would ask you is it good or bad for you is it empowering you or is it reducing you is it introducing doubt and unbelief you get to choose what you think and sometimes it's good to stop and take take stock what am I magnifying right now 
and is it doing me good? If it isn't, stop it. I've just seen a typing error that you'll see now. Instead of saying it, it says t. I don't know why my machine didn't pick it up. Perhaps it did and I didn't see it. I was in such a rush with it. There's only one person to magnify and that is him. Magnify him and give thanks to him and this aligns you with the Holy Spirit. I think it's Amos 3.3 3 that says can two work together, walk together except they be agreed and you could say work together as well. Mm. You cannot walk with God and be out of alignment with him and he is not going to align himself with you. You have to move over and align yourself with him. So there's a need to take those emotions that currently rule you and put them at the feet of your will. This is the action of your will. I am not going to allow that to upset me. I am not going there. And as we were saying earlier on, <coughs> you missed this bit, Joyce, there's, a, there's reactions and reactions, you know, like Sue was saying about what's happening currently with her. Mm. And I said you could think to yourself, I will blow you then. Mm see if I care and that is the wrong reaction too <laughs> because you you do care or you wouldn't be saying it like that the thing is that it's not been cast onto the Lord it's not been given fully and let go of mm. and so we keep taking it back for me right now the, the issue of things that are happening with people that were set free and they're going back into it I'm seeing what I'm going to be teaching at the weekend which is the, the uh, process from Nepios to Huis from a um, babe in arms to a full, fully mature son and the behaviour of that going back into something from which you've been set free comes into the technon or nepios stage the small child, the little baby um, and it's part of the early walk of a Christian the thing is that years do not equate to growth as far as God's concerned you can be a nepios and be 35 years old in the Lord. Equally, you can be a huios and be only three years old in the Lord. It's all about the growth that you've made in that time by aligning yourself with him, understanding his ways and putting him first. And that's all the action of your will. So when you see half-formed, half-developed Christians, what you're looking at, is either that they haven't had the opportunity to know about these things or they haven't actually listened when God is correcting them and they have not brought themselves into alignment. Someone said the other day, well, everybody has the Holy Spirit. Uh, yes, <laughs> but not all of us listen. Not all of us comply. Uh, many of us go our own sweet way and... and don't mind the checks, which is a very dangerous thing to do. One of, the, one of the first lessons, really, in swift progress in the Lord is to mind the checks. When you get a check about doing something, don't override it. The number of times people have said to me, well, I had a check, but I went forward anyway. Oh, don't do it. Even my son, you know, who's not a Christian, though I would say he is born again, though he doesn't realise it. Um, he says, I've got a check, Mum. And he will mind that check when he gets it. Because he knows 
don't go there. I can remember a classic occasion, he was very many years ago and he was looking for a job and he was going to go up to London to have this job and he was showering and the Lord spoke to him and said don't waste your money on the rail fare so it didn't go <laughs> so even though he doesn't appear to be walking with the Lord as I was saying to the Lord this morning I've watched his life and I've seen God's education in righteousness through what he the situations he's come into he's had a real hard one just recently headhunted by a Swiss bank interviewed and told he's the guy for the job then the guy at the very top brings in his own candidate at this point the man who interviewed Stephen who was part of the management team said I can pull this for you if you want it there's the carrot I can, I can, I can do it so that you get this job if you want it. And Stephen said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, I don't want it on those terms." Because as I said to him, if you did that, that it'd be it'd be three times as bad as the man you're working under at the moment. He don't he don't want you. He's brought his own candidate in, and he certainly will never settle to work with you if you if you're brought in on those. But but what I was so thrilled with was his immediate reaction was no then comes another thing the guy that he's working with at the moment lovely man he likes him he respects him uh, he's older than Stephen said I think we should go to the chief executive and tell him how you've been treated just get a little folio up and go and show him Stephen said no nope. <laughs> I thought twice there it was threatening his integrity making him take the easy route I've been hard done by I've not been looked after wouldn't go there though his his bonus is way 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 down on what he should actually have been paid he's just biting the bullet and every time I speak to him I say darling integrity maintain your integrity you cannot buy it because God gave me for him once uh, in Proverbs you see a man who is virtually integrous in his work he will not stand before ordinary men he will stand before kings now in terms of business he is standing before kings he's standing before the top people in in finance and one thing and another so his integrity has got to be absolutely impeccable and I know this is God training him for something training him in righteousness so that he doesn't take the easy way twice there he could have taken it I haven't heard from him so I presume that he's heard nothing from the Swiss bank but towards the end of the last week before he went to away on holiday little letter plopped through the mat another head hunter this time he's been specifically hunted by name from someone he already knows offering a salary twice that which the Swiss bank was offering because it's the Bank of Oman which is, what do you call it? Yeah. It's wherever it is, it's out there, I don't understand all these countries Middle East, Middle East. Middle East. thank Middle East you yeah. So in turning that down, an even bigger plum has dropped in the mat he said, I'm not rushing mum I'll think about it while I'm away on holiday So integrity when he says he's thinking about it what he's only ever worried that he's going to make the right de decision 
And I say to him, you know, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. You cannot outgive God in terms of your righteousness and your, your righteous behaviour. You're actually behaving well in any given situation. And it's almost like a thermometer to where you are when you come into a situation and, it, and, and God can test like a litmus paper where you actually are. So, we were talking about emotions and taking those that currently rule you and put them at the feet of your will. This is the action of your will. You can do it. It's just a discipline like anything else. I don't know how many of you do this, but I have advocated it. When you present your body, as it says in Romans 12:1 and 2, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God each day, you do do it, don't you? Mm -hmm. anything placed on the altar becomes holy it is automatically considered holy to the Lord and therefore set apart to his purposes the object itself is not holy but once it is placed on the altar it becomes set apart for his purposes and Jesus said come out and go in that sounds like a contradiction in terms doesn't it Come out from among them, but go in among them. Uh, John seventeen fourteen. I hope. I'll start at verse twelve. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And then in John seventeen eighteen, he says, As you sent me into the world, also I have sent them. So you seem to have a contradiction in terms here. But actually what he's talking about is the difference in his thinking from that of the world. In terms of the way we think, we need to come out and be separate. Once we are, we go back into the world, taking the mind of Christ with us. And this is the top and bottom of uh, the Christian walk. There's a song that keeps going round in my mind by Jared Cooper. And he says, having left this world, I can now go back and do the work that God has told me to do. We cannot go into the world until we've left the world, if that makes sense to you. Because I believe um, what has happened with the church is as I've said time and time again is the world is so in the church that it takes it out to the world does things the same way someone spoke to us on Monday um, been to spring harvest and they've met some leaders there and this particular one a young man <coughs> would be probably a paid on adolescent you know they know it all don't they um, I'm number two at the moment but when I get that job I'm going to be number one and this particular guy thought, I'm not here where they are, I'm not, I'm not, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not making it like they're making it. I don't think I want to make it like they're making it. I said, sweetheart, the problem is what you've got there is the world's thinking. They're measuring success by who they are, the position they think they hold. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the position God rates them in. None at all. Again, I'll be talking at the weekend about underrated people that God rated. David is one of them. He was rejected by his brothers and his father, but he was rated by God as good enough to be king because God looked on the heart. didn't look about what anything else except the heart of the man. So what we look at and what the world admires, you can automatically say that is not for the Christian. He said to me once, a good rule of thumb barrel is that if the world goes after it, you don't. You apply that across your life. If the world goes after it, you don't. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything they chase after will be given to you. Everything. Not some things, everything. But the prerequisite is that you seek first the kingdom. That's alignment. You're in alignment with God because you're seeking, seeking not even sinking. You're seeking the purposes of God, the ways of God, and to the best of your ability, everything in you is lined up with wanting to do what He wants. The next school, I think, which is in July sometime, is going to be... Oh Lord, you gave me the title this morning, it's gone from me. It's like living in obedience to God, something like that. can't think of it. It's gone from me now. Uh, anyway, it's going to be walking with God. It's going to be actually living out the things that we've been learning and walking under his smile of approval. That doesn't imply that we walk under his smile of disapproval. What that implies is, is all the while going to be trying to nudge us into the place where we can come into maximum benefit where we can come into maximum favour. I want to be lined up underneath that spout and I want to have sufficient clout with God that when I ask, I know it's going to happen. That's a goal, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That you want to be walking so well that he holds out the scepter, like with Esther, you touch it and he says, what do you want? I will give you up to half the kingdom. How would you like it if God says, ask for what you want and I'll give it to you? What would you do? You'd be thinking, wait a minute, Lord, tell me what to ask for because if anything I ask for is going to be too small. It's going to be peanut size compared with what you want to give. Hmm. Anyway, so the separation he's talking about is that the inner life is separated and Jesus sharply distinguished his thoughts from that of the prevailing Jewish and Roman world in which he lived so he calls us to be the same that's why it's all about this thing that's between our ears the way we think and to do this our will has got to be engaged Choices have to be made that will bring our thinking into alignment with his. You can almost hear it creaking as we see things from a different perspective. As I said earlier, I just 
realised this morning that the reason the church is so powerless in its efforts is it, that it takes the world's thinking back into the world with predictable results and it measures itself in exactly the same way. Numbers. So people leave the church, they get wind up. Don't go to God and say, what does this mean? What are you doing? How do we position ourselves? They start getting defensive, argumentative, they form sides, they argue, there's strife, division, all the things that Paul tells us not to have, they've got. But that's okay, because all God is doing is revealing the carnality. If any of you have ever watched a, um, a field, all ploughed up lovely, and then the rain comes down, and all that sticks up are the stones, because it washes the soil away, and the stones are sticking up. I'm going to give the girls some clay uh, at the weekend to form something. It's air-dried clay, and I want them to form how they think, how much they think their heart is malleable in the hands of God. And I thought about sticking something inside a piece of clay so that each one would get something. They oh, something in there, you know. But I thought, no, that might be might be dangerous. <laughs> but when they trip over something, the other way of sort of presenting it is having a sieve. You know, I remember Alex Haxon doing this. Do you remember him with that mm -hmm. sieve in the earth? He got this soil and he's sieving it onto a piece of paper mm. on the thing. And oh, wait a minute, something's doing. Old can, tin can coming out, you know, sieving a bit more. <laughs> all these things. This is what God does sifts and sieves so that all the fine soil's coming out. That's lovely. Uh, but the bits that we so tightly hang on to are being removed. So it's not until we're not of this world in our thinking that we can go back into it. I can touch this world I've left with your glory. That's the way it says that I can... Pilgrim, it's the one about being a pilgrim, and he says that I can touch this world I've left with your glory. The only way we will touch this world that we've left with his glory is by having a complete transformation of our minds. And nobody tells us that when we come into Christianity, that is what it's all about. A complete transformation. So today, we're going to take a brief look at turning the other cheek. My one in uh, Matthew is headed up retaliation. This is Matthew 5:38 to 42. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but I tell you not to resist an evil person but whoever slaps you on your right cheek turn to him the other also if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic let him have your cloak also and whoever compels you to go one mile go with him too give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you do not turn away so this is about responding in the opposite spirit to that which is coming against us. Moving in the spirit, not in the flesh. So why would the Lord ever let someone strike us on the cheek? And let, let's look at this situationally rather than literally, because that is how it will work itself out. I had a little kitten boots some years ago and I found what was hidden deep inside of me through that little kitten. When I was playing with it, 
and it was playing with me and in in play it rolled over took my hand and started to disembowel it so I had 5, 10, 15, 20 little scratches gripping and pushing on my hand and the instinct that rose in me at that moment was retaliation I lifted my hand to give that little kitten a swipe it was instinctive and I realized at that moment what was inside of me was a desire to hit back when I was hurt anyone identified with this I do not need to have a show of hands <laughs> deep inside that was there and though I didn't realize the lesson that God was showing me then uh, I asked I said Lord I can't have that a defenseless little thing and I want to give it a wallop so the Lord will bless or afflict you whichever way you like to look at it with people according to your need he will put people in your way Graham calls them grace growers who will dig deeply into your basic reactions and that is what those people are there for if you find yourself saying oh I get on my tip look at what it is that pip that they are getting on because that is what God is getting at because what he sees is resentment rebellion and independence on the inside of us and he knows just exactly how to get these reactions to surface I think I've just about been surrounded by it this last week people are in tears on phones telling me what's happening I've just lost it I've done this I've done that of the next thing I've just blown it again I've done this I've that and that. he's doing this she's doing that I mean I've, I've that. God is in the process right now of putting pressure on the church so that all those bad reactions that are so well hidden uh, and by the smile and uh, the just wait till I get home <laughs> he's bringing it to the surface because he wants to deal with it so next time you blow it recognize that this is what he's doing and at this moment of t in time there's a lot of it going on, on so understand the purposes of God in what he's revealing in you don't be dismayed this was what happened with June yesterday she was down the tubes God had shown her something and she was so all I could hear from her was I'm no better than Aaron I'm just no better what's all this business what's this all been about What's it all been about? I'm no better. I might as well. I'm no better than the people out there. <laughs> so I let her carry on for a minute and then explained what was going on. He is bringing whatever is necessary. He will put us in solitary confinement or whatever to bring these things to the surface. If we don't understand, he'll take us back into the pressure cooker and turn the heat up a little because if we won't listen it's got to bring it to our attention another way so a little bit more pressure comes on so if we do understand and we run from it silly boy go back again sorry Lord what are you trying to show me because 
the quickest way is to stop and face it because it's going to get a lot worse down the road there because he's going to have to bring a heavier pressure on you because he's not going to go away and think oh what a shame I can't seem to get through to him uh, he persists as we resist I'll tell you he persists so understand the purposes of God in what he's revealing in you don't be dismayed work with him on it because sometimes we're absolutely oblivious to the fact that these reactions are in there and we need the proof before we can accept it we actually need him to show us that is what you're like and if I told you you wouldn't have believed me so he puts us into a circumstance that will bring it forth and the blow up if you like is the proof and when they surface we're afforded the opportunity to free ourselves from a spirit of revenge that to me was some insight this morning I would thought yeah retaliation but revenge was not the way I would have gone but that's what it is I'll get you instantaneously you don't do that to me that's it and our thinking beloved has got to be changed so he uses I tell you not to resist an evil person but whoever slaps you on your right cheek turn to him the other also so if you can't see really what God is saying in this he's not literally probably talking about being slapped on the cheek he's talking about the everyday things the situations that you're going to come up against that will bring that thing that resentment that rebellion and that independence up so that he can deal with it so wouldn't it be great to be freed from that seething desire to avenge ourselves to hit back either with words or physically wouldn't it be freedom indeed to accept situations that under natural circumstances would spill hate and vengeful desires into our lives because if we continue to push down the hate the desire for vengeance it will spit out of our mouths like a like a snake's tongue it will come out of here or it will be pushed down and affect us physically one way or the other we will see it outworking in our lives so God sends these situations to us to reveal hidden things in us to us he's not revealing it to the other guy he's revealing it to us Bob Mumford tells the story and I've, I've told it before it makes me laugh so much of the um, I think I've got it here <coughs> Bob, Bob Mumford I'll try it again Bob Mumford God permitted a situation to develop in my life which forcibly brought home my own resentment resulting in a near outburst we all meet people who don't like us in fact some who thoroughly dislike us one was the organist of a church where I was a new pastor one day she came to me and let loose her dislike of me with words that sizzled and burned for a while I stood at ease and in control of the situation she ranted and raved 
and I took it with an I am being persecuted for Jesus sake look on my face I had a little martyr spirit and it felt so good unable to stand it any longer she was provoked you see by his non-response the woman literally spat in my face something within me shifted into automatic just out of the navy I cocked my arm back clenched my fist and that old navy haymaker was on the way <laughs> when I looked down and saw that fist and felt that tensing of muscles I was overcome with conviction and guilt I went home and laid on my study floor before the Lord for days I could scarcely believe the reaction that had been in me all my life I'd nurtured a protectiveness for, for women especially with a mother and five sisters at home anyone who had ever hit a woman was less than a man in my estimation yet I came that close how would you like to have seen the newspaper the next day pastor punched organist in the mouth <laughs> God wanted to show me what was deep in my spirit and it really scared me no one would have convinced me of its presence I would have denied that it was there even before the judgment seat but circumstances revealed it God sends situations to teach and reveal hidden things to us so next time you come up against something in retaliation or whatever it is start to rejoice and ask the Lord what he's trying to do because that's the quick way it really is there's something deep within the spirit that needs breaking and correcting when we don't learn so we must continually keep turning the other cheek until we're delivered from that response and God will make sure that we do he will bring circumstance after circumstance after circumstance until you think I've been around this thing I know this signpost until we're delivered from the desire to retaliate to hit back whether it's with words or physically sometimes as I said we can respond with the right words but inside there it all is resentment rebellion and independence and uh, as we've learnt before attitudes determine altitude our attitudes inside are all important and as I said earlier on those of you who are coming to the weekend school will find that the theme is the God who sees me and we can hide nothing from him with whom we have to do I think there's a scripture in somewhere around Hebrews 4 isn't it and we'll finish with this <coughs> everything is open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do Hebrews 4 it's all talking about that place of rest it's Hebrews 4 12 and 13 for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart I go so far as to think that if you won't read the word of God he's got to bring circumstances about to do the job because it is the word of God that is meant to be doing the work in you someone as I said to you before read James and had to close the book up quick they got so convicted 
I said, that was not the right response, dear. As far as I know, they're still in the same place. See, if we read this book, it's not for us to come to it and pick it to pieces, it's for us to come to it and see it as a mirror. And it reflects to us how we are. So we see something and we think, I know I'm not like that. Joyce is actually at the minute reading, I think, um, Graham Cook's book, Developing Your Prophetic Gifting, the first one he ever wrote. I never got very far with that because when I started to read it, I was so convicted that my heart was not suitable to prophesy out of that I had to stop reading it. Um, and I never really went back to it after that because it convicted me so much because we prophesy from where we are and sometimes we prophesy to people what is actually happening in our own lives and that is a bad one we speak over them what God is doing in us because it's so uppermost in our mind everybody must have the same problem you know? so you're laying hands and I'm thinking oh yes I can see what God's saying to you right now so we must have the mind of Christ if we're going to prophesy accurately and from the heart of God even if we have to bring a word of correction so verse 13 of Hebrews 4 and there is no creature hidden from his sight you are, you are the God who sees me but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account and just for completeness sake it would be nice to go back to Genesis this is where we're going to start on, on Friday It's um, Genesis 16, um, verse 14, no, 13. And this is where she comes face to face with Jesus, who's called the angel of the Lord there. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? He saw her but she saw him and therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roi I don't know how you pronounce it really observe it is between Kadesh and Bered and this is the theme uh, that God has given me for the weekend though it's from um, Nepios to Huios or Huios um, it is you are the God who sees because we're on a hiding to nowhere if we do not realise that he sees everything and it's okay our problems start when we don't know that he sees everything and we try to hide it run from it uh, that's when the problems start and he pursues us now like the hand of heaven so you are the Lord you are the God who sees for have I also here seen him who sees me it just gripped me that scripture um, just gripped me okay 
Attitudes determine altitude. Attitudes are all important. We can hide nothing from him with whom we have to do. Amen.